listening to Talks for Change, a podcast series which aims to share innovative ideas that inspire across various disciplines whilst celebrating achievements and ideas from Curtin University's young alumni community. This podcast, along with the Young Alumni Program, is really special because it's for young alumni by young alumni. We hope you enjoy this month's episode. Hello, everyone. My name is Milan Matthew. I am the Programs Coordinator for the Young Alumni Advisory Board, aka the YAB, and I'm so excited to be hosting this month's episode of Talks for Change. This will be our final podcast for 2020. Before we begin the podcast today, we would like to pay our respects to the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander members of our community by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which the Bentley campus is located, the Wajak people of the Noongar Nation. Our guest today is Marcus Wong. Marcus graduated from Curtin with a Bachelor of Arts, Screen Arts and Creative Advertising and Graphic Design in 2018. Marcus has volunteered his filmmaking, photography and design skills to advocate for marginalized communities in Africa, Asia and regional Australia and is a 2020 recipient of the Curtin University Young Achievement Award. Hello Marcus and welcome to Talks for Change. Hello, thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much for coming on Talks for Change podcast series, we're really stoked to have you. Could you please talk to us a little bit about yourself and about your background before we move further? Yeah, so I was born and raised here in Perth, Australia. Uh, I'm 22 years old, so I only graduated uh, about just over a year ago. And so I feel super young, 22, only been out for a year. And so it's just been an amazing adventure um, and can't believe that I won this award as well. So so privileged and feel really honored to be recognized this way from Curtin. Uh, Yeah, exactly. And congrats on that. It was announced a few weeks ago. So it must have been uh, amazing when you first heard the news about it. Yeah, it was a a great surprise and really honoring award to receive. But it's truly deserved, though, considering (laughs) the work that you've done and which we will get into very shortly. And, uh, you know, it's it's an amazing story for our listeners to hear as well. So I was just thinking uh, before we get truly into that, I just want to run to talk to you about your inspiration, perhaps to join Curtin and study filmmaking as such. And, you know, what what began the journey to where you are right now the, um, in terms of getting into the creative arts? Mm, yeah, well, a lot of it started just out of it was something I really loved doing, just making films. <laughs> um, a lot of it was just throughout high school was working out how can I turn this assignment into some way of making a film or um, <laughs> just uh, um, even through um, volunteering at church. It was a lot of that was just using film, getting behind a camera and editing. And it was just something I fell in love with. And I think it was it was a scary decision to choose doing it throughout university, particularly in Perth, where it's not a huge uh, booming film industry. Sure. It was how do I turn something that I really enjoy and something I'm really passionate about into something that is uh, financially viable. Sure. Are there memories of, um, of data banks of old home videos that you've shot um, and things like that? Yeah, yeah, there's a few. Uh, ones I wouldn't watch again or show to <laughs> anyone. But um, yeah, I think that's where a lot of it started, just like mucking around and just falling in love with what other people had done and then seeing how do I get that kind of look as well. And with any particular sort of camera or video camera that's sort of you were given as uh, when you were young, was that something that which sparked it? Yeah, well, actually, I think a lot of it came from my dad gave me a whole stack of um, digital video, just of family videos, and asked me if I could just edit it together. So oh, just nice. a lot of playing through that. Yeah. Um, and then just also having this kind of old uh, digital camera at home, the family camera, just playing around with that. 
Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Which one was that, if I, if I may ask? Oh, I've got no idea. It's been years <laughs> since I picked it up, but um, oh, it would be worth like $10 now, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's interesting because all, most, all photographers, filmmakers, they've got this similar background where, you know, they've had, they were handed on some, some interesting task or, or a camera, video camera, yes, and, things yeah. and it just sparks things and then they, they go on that journey. Mm, but it yep. sounds very similar with you as well, Marcus. Yeah. <laughs> And you mentioned as well where, where you were doing video production for the church as well. So is that where that initial spark to do doing wider community work that, that came in, which has now become uh, come at the forefront of what you're doing right now? Mm, yeah, well, I guess I, I grew up in a church setting and so much of it is um, how do we love other people practically? And um, so a lot of that, of the church's ethos was um, how do we serve our community as well and so I think a lot of that was just ingrained into me and then as well just my parents personalities as well sure. um, such uh, generous people in their time and their care and their compassion um, we have some sponsor kids at home as well so we um, send off money to um, children in developing countries and we get to write letters to them so just growing up in that kind of environment and just realizing it was always a constant reminder that um, man we're so fortunate to live here in Australia yeah. um, I was just talking to my parents the other day of what was our kind of family history? And we just came from um, just like small uh, fishing town in China. And, yeah. they, you know, they would have been in poverty. And to think that was my great granddad. And I don't think he ever would have imagined me, you know, completing a university degree and getting to go and travel to other developing countries, you know. Yeah. So um, I kind of think of being born in Australia as this kind of lottery of longitude, I suppose. That perspective of the opportunity that's been given as well, isn't it? Mm. Uh, yeah. Yes. Oh, awesome. And I, I guess that's, that's a really good segue for us to get into that first journey that you made to uh, Uganda um, mm. for, and the first trip that you made there. So could you talk to us a little bit about that, what led to that and what were your sort of your first impressions, your first memories of, of that trip? Yeah, so that actually came about through an opportunity through Curtin University. Sure. Um, so it was in between my second and third year studying my film and graphic design degree. Um, and one of the things that um, through my, the scholarship I was on, yep. the John Curtin Undergraduate Scholarship, yes. we had to go and do an international experience. Yep. Um, so quite a lot of people would go and do exchange. So six months uh, in Canada or the US or um, in the UK and they would do part of their degree there. Yep. Um, but being a, a creative degree, it was really tricky to match units. And then someone mentioned to me, you don't have to do exchange, you can do an experience or a volunteer experience as yep. long as you work in your degree somehow to it. Um, so I just, it was a Google search and I was just looking for places um, that would accept someone with a media background. And so I found this children's home in Uganda called Rafiki Africa Ministries. Yep. And I realized my break between second and third year was three months long. Yes. Um, so I booked a, booked a ticket there and a ticket back and then just went for three months. It was my first time on a plane without my parents. Um, first time to Africa. I was 19, so I was still a teenager. <laughs> so uh, green green as the grass, you know, so fresh <laughs> to all this kind of stuff. And um, oh, it was just so eye-opening. I, you know, I was yeah. always quite fascinated by developing communities and kind of had my eye on um, the world and, and was really um, uh, always so fortunate for what I had. But I think being um, there in Uganda and s witnessing it firsthand, I suppose, just really changed a lot of my perspective on a lot of things. I think one of the major things that jumped out to me was the normality of poverty. Yeah. Um, you know, I would think that, well, I thought that poverty was just reserved to some people there. It wasn't, wouldn't be so widespread, but um, I think seeing how many people would struggle with um, finance or food or education issues, it was almost as if these issues were just kind of normal for them. 
Yeah. Um, and that was what was quite shocking to me. Yep. And uh, something like COVID at this stage would have compounded the issues as well. Um, not mm. just um, in Africa, but across the world and similar yes. people living in similar conditions. Mm. And in your subsequent trips, so that first one was to Uganda um, and the Rafiki African Ministries. African Ministries was the was the first one. So, what was the how, how did it lead to the other journeys that you've had, the other trips that you've made? Yeah, so that first work in uh, those three months was just as a volunteer, and so I was uh, just making films and documentaries and taking photos that would be given to this organization. Uh, which they could use to raise funds and awareness for themselves. Yep. Um, and then I would take a lot of that stuff and bring it back here to Australia and, and share about it. But then um, that work then snowballed into um, getting a grant to be able to go back. So I got to go back to Ethiopia and Uganda yep. uh, one more time and um, got to work with some new organizations there. And this was a two-month trip. And I think what I learned from that trip was just how amazing the human body is or just how I think how human contentment works. Um, being stripped away from just the normal comforts that I'm used to here in Australia. Yeah. Um, my my bedroom, my um, a stable internet access, or always having power or something like that. Um, being on the road a lot and um, just having to, oh, for one night I slept um, under the stars with this community, just in this um, kind of desert place. Wow. And, um, and just realizing, like being stripped of all the normal comforts that I'd be used to, how happy I still was. Those were some, the kind of five months I spent in East Africa, uh, some of my most fondest, happiest memories. Um, and I think it really changed my perspective of um, what things make us happy and what things make us content. And it's not in the expected material things that I once thought it was, but it's all in um, our experience and the people that we're with. And that was what really surprised me in that trip. Um, but yeah, I was so fortunate to have that first set of work from my three month trip um, with Curtin. Um, to then snowball into a grant and more work, and then even organisations starting to approach me and wanting them, to, wanting me to go with them to different countries around the world and to document their kind of work. Awesome, nice. And that uh, the two things that you know, we've touched on is um, the normality of poverty and um, peace about contentment, mm. and the uh, you know an understanding that when you're put in a situation and you realize that yeah you can actually make do with a lot of these things which we take for granted right now. Yes. How much is that that sort of influence your life right now? Well, it's it's really fascinating. I, I think contentment is such an interesting thing that we should study a lot more. I think it's um, <laughs> how do we become. Um, truly satisfied as people. Um, and there was this really great um, analogy I read from these um, sports psychologists. So they were looking at people who win Olympic medals, so gold, silver, bronze. And you would expect that the happiness level of people who got the medals would be first place gold, second happiest person would be silver, third happiest would, would be bronze. Yeah. But they found actually the most unhappy person on the podium wasn't the bronze medalist, but the silver medalist. Ah, yes. And yeah. So the reason why is because, well, for the bronze medalists, they're just stoked to have gotten on the podium. They always just missed out, yeah. like all the yeah. other athletes. Yeah. Um, but the silver medalists, they're so disappointed because they just missed out on the gold. Um, so their frame of reference is the gold medalist, where the bronze medalist, their frame of reference is all the other athletes they beat, which yes. is why they're so happy to yeah. be on the podium. True. Um, and I think just with the, the rapid expansion of social media, our comparison is no longer horizontal within just our communities, our classrooms or our friends and family, but now it's just so dizzyingly vertical. Yeah. I mean, we're now comparing ourselves to um, celebrities in, in different countries. And yeah. I think... Um, that's just created something really unhealthy within us and the way that we look at contentment and achievement and this desire to be great or being disappointed with where we're at 
in yeah. life. Yeah. And I think that's so unhealthy. And I think we need to learn to be happy and content with our silver medal that we've gotten in life. And th that's just an incredible thing, you know, and just learning to, to own that and be really content with that. Um, I think that's what's really shaped the way I think about my life. Yeah. Um, not comparing myself to who someone else is, but rather comparing myself to who was I yesterday and how am I continually growing in my field of work and in my happiness and contentment as well. And one of the things I think about is um, just this, this vacuum that we all have as humans when we're looking for happiness and contentment. We think, you know, maybe if I get a better job or a better salary or a better car, then I'll be happy. But it tends to be as our salary rises, we just find friends with a better salary than us. Yeah, and, and then it's about competing with that. It's yeah. about competing with them. Yeah. Whereas I've always thought, what if I could just, um, you know, find a house that I was content with yeah. and then kind of seal it off. Like this is all I need to live on, this money. And then the rest of the income I earn, it's like, okay, how can I use this to, to bless other people, to be generous, to show my appreciation appreciation to other people. Yeah. Um, I think that just frees us from so much stress and anxiety and just really changes our view of how money works and generosity as well. So that's something I'm kind of um, trying to implement into my life now. Um, how do I be content with what I've got in front of me right now? That's a really <laughs> amazing insight at a very young age, Marcus. That's, that's, <laughs> that's really great to hear. You, Curtin's young alumni, are emerging as the next generation of leaders, creators, game changers, innovators and more. So make sure you keep your details up to date with the alumni and community relations team so you don't miss out on exciting news and event information. And always tag Curtin Young Alumni when posting photos and stories on social media. I wanted to just talk to you about the technical growth that you've had as well. Um, I understand it's been a short time between the time you've graduated to now, mm. but your experiences so far, how, how has that technical growth in filmmaking been for you? Yeah, well, I think what I loved so much about being on the field was um, a lot of the, the visual side of it was just, it was just me. So when I went for my second trip, it was just myself and a good friend, David Chidsey, and he was doing the composing and the sound design for a lot of it. But a lot of the visual direction and the, um, the storytelling and uh, the editing, it was just me. So it was very much oh, just a little yeah. bubble of just me working on it, um, this kind of little labor of love, I suppose. And yeah. I think just realizing, not having any um, constraints in that kind of work uh, was just really freeing. Yeah. But it's interesting, just kind of looking back at my work, I. There's, I have favorite things that I've shot and favorite photos and things like that, but um, I'm still, um, I still want to do better. Like I look back at the work I've shot and I'm like, oh, I could have done that better, I reckon. And I think that's a good sign of growth. It absolutely um, is, yeah. Uh, and I would love to, to just continually getting, be getting better yeah. um, through, in that sense, like this desire, like I reckon I could do that better. It's this kind of um, push to be constantly better yep. and it's not like I'm competing against anyone else it's really just this internal like how can I be um, the best version of myself in terms of my craft awesome. and in, in terms of when you travel for the first time and you had to shoot what you shot did you have any preferences in terms of how you were going to do it or were you, did you have a plan in place did you have any challenges things like that 
Yeah, I think the trickiness was just having this like 30 kilo limit. Um, oh, okay. And so I'd have to fit my gear plus my clothes in there as well yep. for three months. Yeah. Uh, that was really tricky and just having to cut away all the luxury items I would have loved to have brought in terms of gear. Yeah. Um, so a lot of what I shot was just handheld, um, uh-huh. natural lighting. And so a lot of it was, okay, how do we make this location work? Yep. Um, how uh, in the noisy streets of Bangladesh, how do we get the best sound where there's all these tuk-tuks honking and things yeah. like that, um, and all these rickshaws everywhere. Um, and so I just kind of, I love that kind of challenge. And someone laid out to me the difference between art and design. And so they said, art is about self-expression and design is about problem solving. And I realized sure. oh, I'm way more into design than art, yep. you know, being thrown into this environment. Um, where it's busy, noisy streets, or it's a 40 degree day, and it's like, all right, how are we going to solve this problem? How are we going to how are we going to make ends meet in this in this setting? And I just I love that, um, just love that process of working through that. And I guess having at a very early stage now having been put through those um, challenges, it's probably honed your skills a lot quicker in terms of uh, dealing with um, say shorter, bu- smaller budgets, fewer equipment, mm. um, and just dealing with all of that. And I think that helps from a filmmaking point of view as well in the future because you'd, you'd know how to adapt to things yes yeah. yeah so just that that run and gun approach of like it's just me the the buck stops at me i've got to make this work somehow and um yeah just um realizing that all responsibility lies on you yeah and there's no one else to blame <laughs> so it's like all right let's get this done <laughs> that's both daunting as well as exciting i guess yeah yeah <laughs> and you you grow so quickly and you make so many mistakes but i mean that's what that's what learning is <laughs> exactly absolutely in, in terms of your trips uh, and the work that you've done how is that reference with what you've studied before at curtain or um, or is it a newly challenging process itself when i started my degree i don't think i ever imagined getting into this kind of work or it even being somehow financially viable to do this kind of work. Yeah. But I just went into film because I loved film yeah. and was working out how do I make this a, a thing that I can enjoy doing. And and then it was just really that trip with Curtin um, that really showed me, wow, like film is actually a really powerful tool oh, okay. um, for helping other people as well. And so I just fell in love with it through that kind of road. So I, I guess that sort of, a light went on when that happened and just things just fell into place. Yes, yeah. Nice. And was that at, at any point, um, you, would you be considering commercially, even documentary films on a bigger scale? Is that something that's, that you would consider at some point? Yeah, I guess it's a, it's hard. It's, it's a question of, is this something that you plan for? Is yeah. it something that, how much do you, you view the project that's right in front of you as yeah. a stepping stone? Or how much do you view the project in front of you as something to do your your best at? And yeah. so I think I view a lot of the work that I do as like, all right, how can I do this project that's in front of me right now as well as possible and execute it as well as possible? Sure. And I think by doing that really well, um, that is what opens up the opportunities. Rather than looking sure. 10 steps down the line, and thinking, this is what I want, where I want to get, and then everything else just becomes kind of a chores to get there. I think, how do I find the beauty in the thing that's right in front of me? That... That is really profound. <laughs> That's really <laughs> profound. Um, I, I guess that makes my next question a bit redundant in that okay. way because <laughs> I wanted to know, uh, well, like for the listeners as well, what's the future for Marcus Wong? So in terms of what you're doing currently, I understand you're doing a master's degree at mm-hmm. I wanted to ask also what would be your first trip after COVID-19 restrictions are lifted? Yeah, oh, still dreaming about that. Um, so 
this year, 2020, I had some plans to do some travel and to, to keep shooting some documentaries and taking photos internationally. Um, managed to sneak a little trip into Bangladesh in January, but then um, COVID came along and so I was stuck here in Perth with borders closed. Yeah. And so I had to find uh, something else to do. So I had two options. One was to do more freelance work around Perth. And the other option was to go back and study and to yeah. upskill. Um, so I was just looking for different things that I would really enjoy. Um, and that would also kind of complement what I'm doing. and what seemed like a really viable option was a master's in secondary education at Curtin. Um, so I've started doing that and overloading it. So I'll be done at the end of 2021. Awesome, yeah. And hopefully by then maybe borders will be back open yeah. or there'll be some vaccine available and um, and we'll go back to that with a master's of teaching in my back pocket. Um, so, but it's funny just um, thinking about this whole journey to doing community development kind of work. It was actually and I completely forgot about this until my mum reminded me. It was it was a teacher in, would have been about year five or year six, and um, he just kind of shared the story of um, people living in developing communities and kids the same age as us having to look for um, food in rubbish dumps and things like that. And I remember, well, no, sorry, I don't remember this, but my mum told me that I, I came home and shared the story and how much it impacted me yeah. and how I then went on to do things like the 40-hour famine and things like that. Yeah. And I'd totally forgotten about this, but it was a teacher that kind of, started me on this journey and so it's it's kind of cool now to be doing a, a master's in secondary education, education yeah. it's kind of coming full circle you know it's yeah. a bit of a hero's journey <laughs> coming back to this and and um doing teaching and, and just realizing um well i think you know the greatest natural resource we have is the next generation you know if we invest into the next minds and the next um people who are going to come up with ideas and be super passionate about things how can we raise them up to be more grateful and more generous. Awesome. Actually, I had a quick question also about the work um, that you've done uh, already in regional Australia. So mm. are there any communities or specific parts of Australia that you would like to go to next? Mm. Yeah, it's it's an area I haven't looked a lot into regional Australia, but I went for it was a, I went for a week with an organisation called Fair Game Australia, yeah. and they bring recycled sports equipment to Indigenous communities, oh, yeah. and they also teach them uh, healthy living and a healthy diets, healthy, um, how to be really healthy. Yeah. And um, so we got to visit Marble Bar and Warralong and Nullagine in the in the Pilbara area. And it, it was such an interesting environment to be in. When I would go to communities in Africa, a lot of the issues there would be because of a lack of infrastructure. So yeah. no good roads or no access to schools and things like that. Whereas when I went to developing communities in regional Australia, they had those things like um, schools and they had access to food and things like that. Yet they still had so many community issues there and so i think it's an enormously difficult road to um, full development of these communities i yeah. think it's one that's going to it's going to take a lot of really determined and people with this um who are willing to stick it with the long run with these yeah. communities yeah. and to see them transformed and it's a uh, the the need is great out there yeah. and um the solution's not easy but uh it'll be i think it'll come with with time and persistence and and this amazing kind of uh, collaboration of work and I hope it's a it's an area of just amazing growth over the next few decades awesome finally we like to finish our episodes with a piece of advice or wisdom for our listeners so is there anything else that you'd like to add um, for, for our listeners in terms of any any particular piece of wisdom because right now I think most of what we've discussed there's a lot of nuggets that you've uh, provided <laughs> us Marcus but if you had to give our listeners something, um, any one point, what will that be? Mm, I think 
one piece of advice that was given to me and I try to live by it is um, be interested, not interesting. And I think when you view the world as this fascinating place and you live as someone who is intensely curious, the world just becomes way more beautiful. And I think as a result, you just become more interesting as well. And so I think people who are just focused on themselves are missing out on so much. And so, yeah, don't try to be interesting. Try to be interested in other people and listen to other people's stories and experiences. And I think the world will be just way more beautiful and fascinating. And I think the other thing that is so important is just to remember to be so happy with your silver medal. It's kind of the analogy I said earlier. That, that's a really good one. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think, um, as I said, you know, it's like we've won the lottery of, of longitude and we are so privileged, but that privilege shouldn't lead us to guilt. Um, privilege should instead lead us to gratitude and generosity. Amazing. Thank you. Yeah. On that note, I reckon this would be a great place for us to wrap up for today. Um, thank you so much, Marcus, uh, for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you very much. And most importantly, thank you to the listeners for listening. It has truly been an honor to bring to you the stories of some amazing individuals like Marcus over the last several months. We hope we kept you engaged for some time during this incredibly challenging year. This is goodbye from me and the 2020 team. Thanks to everyone who has supported us throughout the year. Talks for Change will return in 2021 with a new host and new guests. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to like the Curtin Young Alumni Facebook page and follow us on LinkedIn. And we will see you next year. If you think that you or another Curtin graduate under 35 has an amazing story to tell or interested in being part of Talks for Change, drop us a line at youngalumni at curtin.edu.au.